0: Hi, Damien DeMarcus from 100 Not Out here. MP? Yes, Damo? We all know the importance of having a diary, but who wants a boring old day planner? Not me. Enter The Journey of Me. Ta-da! The incredible eight-month wellness journal designed especially for wellness peeps like you. Yes, Damo, this beautiful eight-month wellness guide is filled with questions, planners, exercises, reflective notes, and more. Endorsed by the Up For A Chat girls and loved the world over, The Journey of Me is a must-have if you're ready to live your best life for life. To purchase your very own journey of me and receive a free set of inspirational postcards, simply enter the code COUCH at www.wellandnew.com. That's www.w-e-l-l-i-n-e-u-x.com. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to The Abnormal
1: Psychologist, the show that shares everyday insights into getting the best out of your mind, body, and lifestyle. Now, please welcome your host, The Abnormal Psychologist herself, Carrie Thompson Casey. Hello, and how are you going? Welcome to another episode of The Abnormal Psychologist with me, your host, Carrie Thompson Casey, the show where we are giving you the how-to... To get the best out of you. And today is a very special episode. It's the birthday episode. It's the abnormal psychologist's very first birthday. And there was one person I absolutely had in mind that I had to interview for my birthday special. And that was the absolutely splendid Sam Gowing, who's so special to me and so critical in me being right here, right now, talking to you. So today, I'm joined by Sam Gowing, who is the sparse chef and clinical nutritionist and author of the beautiful book, The Healing Feeling. And Sam is also co-presenting shortly with Lorna Jane's active chef, Jasmine Norton, for Superfoods Revealed. So welcome, Sam. Hello. Thank you
0: so much for having me.
1: Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited to get to. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you. 52 episodes of The Abnormal Psychologist. I'm, I'm quite pleased. I remember in the early days thinking, wow, you know, I wonder what, I wonder how far I'll get with this and, and certainly getting to one year and it's very exciting. And, and you were very important to that process, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Sure. First of all, I know some of the Wellness Couch listeners may have heard you talk on some of the other shows. I think you've been on 100 Not Out um, and The Wellness Guys. I think you've been on there as well. Yes. So tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get to be this amazing key person in terms of food and nutrition?
0: Wow, okay. So, uh, in so far as cooking, I started cooking from a very young age of about six years old. And my late father, Dennis, taught me to cook. My grandmother taught me to cook. The wonderful Margaret Fulton Yellow Cookbook taught me to cook. Ooh. So, I had an inspiration uh, for cooking from a really young age. I was always reading kids cookbooks and so forth and I always wanted to be a chef but back in those days particularly through school there was no other form of study other than a very poorly paid apprenticeship and what that required was you know arduous arduous um, learning and so forth in a very male dominated kitchen so I never pursued that um, role as a chef when I left school I went uh, into art school for a while and realised I really didn't want to be a poor, starving artist. So (laughs) I went headfirst into the family business and that um, was at the Mount Macedon Hotel in Victoria and I did an informal apprenticeship on the restaurant floor or actually in the public bar and my first skills were pouring beer off a tap.
1: Wow. That can be creative and artistic.
0: (laughs) And slowly I gained the courage to learn how to carry plates and I eventually went out onto the bistro floor and then we had a fine dining restaurant attached to the old hotel there and I learnt the trade and then... I um, worked with my father in his Melbourne restaurant in in the 80s around the time of the fringe benefits tax introduction, the demise of um, the economy and, you know, we battled through the recession. And in 1990, I became uh, one of the youngest female publicans in Australia and wow. took on, yeah, took on the Grace Darling Hotel in Smith Street, Collingwood, at the age of 24, mm. and ran, owned, and operated that with my brother Chris Gowing after my father had died. And throughout those years, after watching um, very tragically my father die of cancer, I was devastated to, to realize that I knew nothing about nutrition, having already been in food for 15 years. So, that um, my life as a publican, I, I pursued um, my fitness for the first time in my early 20s. I really got serious about being healthy and fitness, which is a bit of a paradox when you're a publican in Collingwood. Yeah. And at the sale of the pub, my first, um, after having a really good rest, you know, after 15 years of hard work and hospitality, I started to retrain as a personal trainer and fitness leader and there was a day of nutrition on the on the course in 1999 and I was like, wow, I need to know more about nutrition. You mean, you know, there's much more than, you know, fish and chips on a plate yeah. <laughs> and, me- and medium rare steaks to the general public. and So I pursued that and enrolled in two subjects of nutrition at the same time I was invited to write a book. Um, So this is about 1999, 2000. And the first subject I enrolled in was uh, Nutrition 1 at the Australian College of Natural Medicine, which is now Endeavour. And the other subject um, was Food as Medicine. And both of those subjects ignited such a passion and revealed to me my calling. And so from there I thought, I can't just do two subjects, I better do as many as I can with recognition of prior learning in business. So I think I undertook about 22 subjects of uh, the only available nutrition body of work, which is a Diploma of Health Science and Nutrition, and that's how I got there.
1: Wow. So mm. that, that it's like food has been running through your veins. And but and my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> over the tongue into the tummy. Uh, and it's, it's just become this um, amazing playground for you to, in, from the yeah. new direction so not only do you have this amazing breadth of knowledge in terms of nutrition but also in terms of the, the culinary side so because you're quite um because i know because i've spoke to you before that you have this extremely um academic side to you as well so you've done quite a bit of study too haven't you
0: i i have you know that the studies um As a mature age student, when I studied uh, nutrition, which is, you know, 15 years ago now – it was a lot more challenging than, of course, I thought. I thought, oh, this would be so easy. And, of course, studying nutritional biochemistry, as anyone who's ever studied it, yes. will know, and <laughs> let alone anatomy and phys- physiology. Oh, yes, all yes. All three, you know, all three trimesters, or I think semesters of those, was really challenging, you know. Studying histology and all the cellular metrics of the body, of course, is fascinating, but it's also really challenging. And when I... um was invited or accepted to do a master's in gastronomic tourism with Le Cordon Bleu in 2012, I realised too that I didn't have postgraduate. You know, my undergraduate is a diploma of nutrition, but I was, I was lucky enough because of my, um, my business studies and my oh, – sorry, not my business studies, my business practice – that I was able to be accepted into a postgraduate body of study, which I've just completed uh, with the Cordon Bleu and Southern Cross Uni. So I completed that about four weekends ago. So I'm still rattling. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs>
1: But I know you're also the same as me. You've totally caught the bug. And actually, I was talking to Jabe Brown, who is a functional medicine naturopath. And he was talking about this fine balance where there's this sort of achievement-driven academic kind of focus and the balance where cause sometimes it's not always that healthy. And why why are we doing that? Because I have done the two masters. And shortly after the masters, once the rattling stopped, as you said, mm. it's like, oh, what should I do next? Oh, I know. I'll go and do naturopathy now. <laughs> And it's suddenly like when you're elbow deep in, you know, biochemistry, anatomy and physiology, it's easy to sort of go, I'm not sure this was such a good idea. But, yes, once you finally get through and start to get to the the real guts of it, it is amazing to to be in that area. But but something I cannot let this episode go by without is having to um, mention and, I mean, again, you know, I think – in some ways, having a podcast and building a public profile, you know, often we don't necessarily um, let people see behind the curtain. But something I wanted to share is just how amazing, and I know you know, because I have told you, but I want to say it publicly, is in August last year, I, uh, well, we my husband and I asked you to come and help us with our store, Three Apples, and we wanted to talk to you about recipe development for that store, which is a health food store, and about building the brand Three Apples because that was your area of specialty, which is a little bit different to some of the other stuff we've just talked about. And I remember at the end of that – you sat down with us, and you—I mean, I'm probably dramatising—but but, <laughs> but you—you know—you slid across the table to two documents, let's say, and one was about three apples and the recipes and the brand development and the store, and 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 that's you know it's it's development beyond bricks and mortar, and. The other piece of paper was the brand Carrie Thompson Casey. And prior to that, I had, I had, you know, these dreams and thoughts, but I really was just seeing myself as Carrie, the Bush clinical psychologist, in, sitting in practice and had been sitting there for 10 years. And, you know, I remember just with such delight opening this document that, that, that you saw that potential. And, mm, and mm. not only that, Sam Gowing, you said, okay, here it is, you do it or you don't do it, but this is how you do it. This is where you need to go first. And just, I think I was literally glued to my computer for the next four weeks <laughs> try, trying to research just what was I going to do. And and I think, I don't even know how to explain how, what it, what magical fairy dust spills forth from you, but it was just, I just can never thank you enough for, oh, for beautiful. recognizing that. But this is also something you do, isn't it? You work with um, people in the field of health and well-being to help them realize their their potential, but also help put their dreams into functional steps, whether it's um, a book, an ebook, book um, a public profile, podcasting, product development. You know, this is quite a spectacular thing that you're doing behind the scenes. Can you – I'm raving here, but can you tell us a bit about that? Oh, keep going. <laughs> don't, don't have the truth getting
0: away with the story. <laughs> oh, that's really beautiful, you know, and I think um, to preface this is, you know, collectively we need to take stock and sometimes pat ourselves on the shoulder which um, as women in, in work and women at home I know whom tell me particularly um, raising small children we don't acknowledge the work that we do on a regular basis so you know I, I take that very um, with a big teaspoon of humility I can assure you and and gratitude because you know my clients such as yourself bring out the best in me and you know, I take the mentoring role very, very seriously and I do find you know, there's a lot of um, rough diamonds out there that all they need is a little bit of polishing because everybody has the amazing potential to realise their dreams and to maximise their success and I strongly believe that we're put on this planet to reveal that to ourselves and if we can't always reveal it to ourselves then to find those key people who will help with that revelation.
1: Yes, and I you know, and there's certainly been, you know, some other you know, Marcus Pierce and Karen Smith have also been involved in shaping, you know, speaking and other goal setting. But it certainly was um, not only that you had that sort of, I guess, business of it, that whole business of being or building a product, but it was also the holistic view. I guess it's a bit like going to a dentist who's holistic or a GP who's holistic. There's also an, you know, there's an element of um, you being nurturing of me, the person, as well as being nurturing of my goals and, and, and telling me straight, I do recall actually there may have been one session that you and I had, and I think you kind of may, you may have even rolled your eyes over the Skype interview and was like, <laughs> "Carrie, you know, what's all this Carrie chatter happening all the moment? You know, what are you actually doing?" And what? You doing? And it was it was great because. As as most people probably know, who listen to this podcast, I don't have any problem talking. I can (laughs) (laughs) can do that quite a bit. So, um, but yes, I think it's I think you're just spectacular. So I just needed to put it on public record. Anyone who's listening, Sam Gowing is an awesome human being. And if you have a dream around the health and wellbeing industry and you just want some leadership, Sam's your lady. So check her out now. I wanna step away from that for a moment because, <laughs> because otherwise I'll just gush for hours. Oh God, and, gorgeous. But there's something that you're doing very exciting at the moment in partnership with Lorna Jane's active chef, Jasmine. Yes. Who yes. i met and she's just delightful. She's gorgeous.
0: Um and it's the Superfoods Revealed. So tell us a bit about that. Sure. So Jazzy um, will always be my sous chef. She came to me uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and pretty raw um, at uh, a health retreat at Cabaret Ocean Health Retreat a couple of years ago and said, can I have a job and applied and so forth. And we struck up the most fabulous mentor-mentee relationship Um in such a close proximity obviously when you work with someone in the kitchen you teach them to cook there is that beautiful nurturing capacity and and guidance and she is like a sponge you know she just absorbed everything Um, it also helps that we share a very similar sense of humor so we would crack ourselves up and uh you know that's that's the backbone of my entire life is humor so if you don't have that you don't get a guernsey really so (laughs) so jazzy and i have been you know tootling along over the last few years sadly not working together on a regular basis but when I finished my master's the research project I submitted as part of um, the final submission is on who makes a superfood super and so many people asked me to share that paper and I want to formally publish it at some stage so I'm not going to share it obviously at this stage but I can certainly speak about it so we put together this event and Jazzy has been working for Lorna um, as her personal chef and as the active chef so she devises recipes and helps to photograph those recipes style them and so forth for the blogs um, move nourish believe um, etc and I said hey Jazzy how about we get the band back together come down to Melbourne you know come and do this little event with me so on the 31st of October at the wonderful art series hotel called the Cullen in Peran. She and I are co-presenting. I'm going to put a slideshow together, revealing my findings, talking about You know, food trends, marketing trends, obviously nutrition and wellness. Jazzy's going to do a little demonstration. We're going to have a little bit of a tasting and then we're going to have a glass of wine, a meet and greet and really get down to the nitty-gritty on what's the next way forward insofar as food and nutrition and how we can help to shape the next couple of decades with efficacy and peace and ease.
1: So what you're saying is that... um a lot of what we know now in terms of food trends and and what we're subscribing to, you know, like the resurgence of kale, um, fermented foods. So what you're saying is you've you've actually researched and developed um, some fairly concrete uh, observations of what's going to happen mm. in the future with new foods.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the research that I, that I dived into, I dove into is, um, you know, very prolific and very alarming at times, to the point where I was absolutely surprised at what I was finding. And as I dug deeper, I was even more um, surprised at how hoodwinked. Uh, we have been by a lot of um, marketing mythology so we call it and then of course you know I revealed some wonderful chestnuts and secret ingredients that we're just simply not embracing and we should so um, Mm. I would like to see the end of peak kale I think uh, (laughs) kale you know goodness me I've met so many people who continue to say I never ate kale a year ago Where did it come from? And, uh, you know, I have a fridge full of kale at the moment, so that always makes me giggle too. But, but, you know, people are still putting it into their raw smoothies. So, you know, we're going to debunk and demystify a whole bunch of um, things we're doing at home that perhaps aren't really good for our tummies. Yes. Mm.
1: So tell me, through all the things that you do, I mean, through working in pubs and working – in food service and health and well-being and your mentorship roles. I mean, you must have really seen a lot of people, I guess, at their worst and at their best, and you've seen them make progress. And, and again, I mean, this is what I've said repeatedly about my own job as a clinical psychologist, that watching that transformation and, and watching it you know, at, you know, I can only make suggestions. It's re- I I do recognise that it's the people, um, that, that put the ideas into place that really make make the difference. It's about that transformation. It's such a beautiful thing to watch people go from one point to another. Mm. But you know, you must have really seen, a, especially in the pubs, you know, seen people at their worst and people at their best and transformation. What are the biggest things you've learned about
0: people? Well, the the biggest things I've learned, I mean, the key thing that I learned, which I teach prolifically through, you know, the marketing workshops and so forth that I run is we're all in the business of selling solutions to stress. And so when I was a publican, a restaurateur, you know, I was – I was very prolific in the body of work that I did, particularly at the Grace Darling. I ran it as a venue, a small acoustic venue. I still have my whole team of musician friends whom, you know, drop into Byron Bay when they're on the road and so forth, which I would never give up those relationships for the world you know it's it opens so many doors to both the entertainment industry and of course hospitality but the biggest thing I've learned is we, you know I sell solutions to stress so when I'm in the pub business or in the restaurant business I sell food and wine that helps people relax yeah. in the wellness business I sell breathing techniques I sell nutrition techniques and so forth which also help people relax for a longer term and as a mentor I help to sell pe- solutions to stress by providing coping mechanisms and marketing strategies so their businesses can thrive and that's really the biggest thing that I've learned about the human condition is we're all seeking a solution to stress because we're all pursuing a pathway to happiness Yeah,
1: so we're seeking that peace and sense of control.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, happiness and whole happiness, which is a trademark that I work with, is a multifaceted emotion. There is not one flavor of happiness. There are so many colors of the rainbow of happiness and that's what I came to a conclusion or developed a theory around two years ago when I launched Whole Happiness. So, you know, that's the human condition is looking for love acceptance happiness but with happiness comes stress comes tears and so forth and I think once we switch it up a lot and we realize that it's not one destination then we can take the pressure off ourselves
1: yeah and and I think probably 75 percent of my clients when I get to the end of the initial assessment and I say right what are your expectations of coming to see me and and participating in this therapeutic process and 75 percent will say I just want to be happier that's right. And so that's from wherever they are now. They just want to be happier. And then, of course, my next question is, so how will we know we've got there? What will it look like? And so on. So, yeah, no, I absolutely agree. So what about you, though? What have you learned about yourself through this amazing work that you've done?
0: Gee, you know, that's self so the budgie mirror, as I call it, is uh, <laughs> I've, I've learned to trust myself. You know, I've I learned... And I only really acknowledged this a couple of years ago that – and I don't want to draw attention to, you know, me, me, me – but I've discovered that I have an extraordinary capacity um, and an intuitive um, capacity for predicting things that will happen. And I'm not just in the psychic space, I mean – realizing trends in the marketplace before they actually happen. And my father was um, an absolute gun at this and a legend really in Melbourne anyway as a car salesman originally, but he always knew what the next thing would be. And I believe I've inherited that and I never realized that until a few years ago. So I've learned that that's part of my um, cellular makeup is to really trust my intuition and to not let my mind get in the way of what my second brain or my gut is trying to tell me
1: but but that must also come from the 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 experience you have i mean you've worked with people in a in a in a pub i mean I think that's just an amazing place for to observe human behavior and and food and wine and health and well being I mean you really have this amazing cluster of skills and experience to go along with that that you know i mean and I fully agree with you that you do seem to have this special sense um, with people as well as as trends so but I think you you have to claim even if it's there is some kind of inherited psychic sense, as you said, I think it also what supports that is this very unique cluster of experience and skills that you have that that drives and enforces that you know you've got something to draw on
0: well when you you know when you work in the restaurant business it's a very intimate relationship that you have um, serving people at a table, you know, particularly in fine dining. You, you need to be intuitive. You need to preempt what that regular customer or that new customer, that new client is going to order. And I know that might sound a little bit kind of um, – I don't know, space cadet, as my friend would say, but uh, it's, it's part of, you know, you need to predict what they're going to order. you need to predict the wine they're going to choose, what style of wine, that if you suggest, you know, a, I don't know, a Chardonnay, for example, back in the day, they're going to go, how did you know that? So, there's an intuition, there's an intuition that all experienced, formally um, trained in a way, floor staff will have. You know, they know that the customer's about to walk in the door and open it and, and you will open it and you can see them coming down the street. It's it's a sense that's developed. You know, I can see a crooked uh, table knife from a mile off in any restaurant <laughs> and, you know, I'm forever straightening paintings in people's restaurants, you know, I'm sure I'm not meant to. Um, <laughs> and, you know, lipstick on a glass and so forth. So, my, my dad did train my eye. Yes. Um, and... I, I think I just have taken that into the wellness arena as well and pro- probably my success around the mentoring component within the wellness arena is that nobody really teaches wellness business and that's what I teach is the yes. business of wellness yes, because yes. it's one thing to, as you know, to be a great practitioner but I'm a much better businesswoman than I am a health practitioner.
1: And I think what you were touching on before is you know, that, that, that human condition of wanting to be understood and wanting pleasure. And you know, hello, fine dining. You know, mm, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's- I'm very motivated by food, and <laughs> <laughs> so to me, you know, a fine, I find, and not not everybody, you know, and that that's just me. But I will put it out there that a really beautiful fine dining experience, um, and actually, I. I I'm a bit uncomfortable with flying, but I do fly. I'm better than I used to be. And in one of the ways I flew to Melbourne from, um, a, a, you know, I think it was two flights to get to Melbourne from where I am at the moment. But the reward I had for myself at the end, and this is a couple of years ago,
0: was to go to Vudemont. Yes, yes, I remember you telling me. By, yes. by
1: myself, mind you. Yeah, No, and it's beautiful. Absolutely. And, and it was such an experience. But yes, I think, I think it's about, feeling a sense of pleasure contentment and joy and being understood is what you're saying is that you can bring to that person as you place that visually that sensorially you know beautiful meal in front of them it smells good it looks good and of course mm. tastes good mm. so yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying.
0: <laughs> and look, I think one of the great lessons in life, and women, I believe, need to practice this more, is to take themselves out for lunch on their own. Yes. You know, you learn so much by being a solo diner and a solo traveller, um, and it helps you... In so many facets of life, you know, to be able to drop in and talk to someone randomly is a great, great skill that I know a lot of people envy um, that I have that capacity. And that's just, you know, from being in the hospitality industry. It's not, you know, there's parts of me that are inherently shy, But when it comes to communicating with strangers and the general public, it's, you know, you kind of have to do it in the pub business and restaurant business, (laughs) otherwise you won't get very (laughs) far.
1: Well, you're speaking my language because I'm going to reveal quite a secret right now. I... Um, was a vegetarian for a long time but I am obsessed with pate so I'm to put it out Yum! there it, but yes. I was a vegetarian and when I was living in the UK they have a chain of restaurants called Café Rouge and so one of my secret indulgences was I would sneak off to a Café Rouge on my own and have pate with a French stick and onion marmalade and a glass of wine oh, it's beautiful. it was beautiful and I would sit there on my own and I would just sit. But you know what I don't like when you sit and have a meal on your own is when they come and take the cutlery away. Why is that? Why do they do that? The other person's cutlery.
0: Oh, sweetie, that that signifies um, many things. It tells the other floor staff that you're not expecting a guest and they can then present the menu to you. Right. Um, It gives you more space, obviously, to relax. And, of course, you can say, please return my cutlery or my my invisible (laughs) friend's cutlery. I would like no, it, it, it signifies that, um, you know, if anybody else comes to your table um, out of their section to make sure you're okay and to treat you, then um, you're not expecting a guest. And so they know how to process the next course and the next course and, you know, they can check his table 15's main course coming up and so forth. So it's part of a system.
1: Right, yes. I, would, I would just thought that there's potential someone may sit there and
0: when they take it away, well, it's never, like... You never know your God. luck. You never, <laughs> know you never know your never luck. luck. In the city and they might think you're going to pinch the cutlery. Sure
1: <laughs> I did that at Rockpool, actually. I, um... <laughs> oh, no, I didn't pinch the cutlery. No, I didn't oh. pinch the cutlery. I mean, I went to Rockpool on my own and he was—he went to take the cutlery and I nearly said, can you just leave it there in case someone <laughs> exciting decides to sit there? But no, he—I didn't. I didn't speak up at the time. I just let him come and take the cutlery. Oh,
0: that's
1: gorgeous. But anyway, so sad tell me what are the three things or a few things that you do either daily or weekly mm. to help keep yourself being this amazing
0: enigma that you are the main thing the most important thing in my life is to swim in the ocean mm. preferably every day uh, we were there at about six thirty this morning uh, we swim throughout winter. We don't swim very deep at the moment in Byron Bay because mm. there's, um, there's uh, things some that swim. Some big fishies. There's some big <laughs> fishies with uh, <laughs> with sharp claws and big fangs yeah. we try not to get tangled up with. Um, we surf. We, you know, we do a regu- regular, always in the ocean um, as much as possible and that is, the primary reason why i moved to byron bay that's that's a key thing the other key thing my habit um which people tease me about is green tea yes and i'm a real stickler for proper green tea i'm happy to have a beautiful tea bag these days five years ago i wouldn't have been so happy but you know happy to have some of these beautiful infused um silk purses and so forth that are now available so green tea really does do it for me I don't drink coffee very rarely anyway it's just always been too um, ab- uh, too robust for me so I've been drinking green tea for about 25 years now and uh-huh. that, is, that is my staple um, I can't start my day even on a Sunday without it and the third thing uh, since you asked is my yoga practice Nice. So I've, I've I've taught yoga and Pilates for ten years. I retired when I broke my knee um, and I fell over, not on the yoga mat, fortunately. Yeah. But I took that as aside from the universe to focus on my true culinary strengths and you know nutritional wisdom. So I have a regular yoga practice. Sometimes it's every day, formally in um, a Bikram class. Some days it's on the mat, on the floor, somewhere if I'm traveling but I I pursue that and I maintain those yogic principles on a very, very regular basis. So the breathing techniques and postural postural alignment and pelvic alignment um, are mandatory for me as I have a lot of scar tissue from road trauma when I was a little teenager. Mm. So
1: they're my three things. Wonderful. So how can people find you, Sam?
0: Oh my goodness, just yell and I'll come running. (laughs) Okay, you can find me through my website, foodhealthwealth.com. You can find me on Facebook, Sam Gowings Food Health Wealth, um, over at Insta Instagram or Insta Sam, as I call it, <laughs> Chef, Chef Sam Gowing there. And I think that's the same handle for Twitter. So, um, or just Google me and I'll feel it and I'll answer.
1: Okay, <laughs> wonderful. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me, Sam. I really enjoyed what you were saying particularly around that, you know, people seeking their own solutions for the stress and demands in in their lives. And I've loved having you, the TAP listener, with me today on my wonderful first birthday as a podcaster. And thank you so much for coming along this journey with me. And I would absolutely love for you to spread the word and tell your friends and listen to and subscribe to TAP in iTunes. And please don't forget to pop over when you're on the PC next or the Mac and give it a five star rating so that it can lift its profile and spread the word. So thank you for joining me and see you on the next episode of the Abnormal Psychologist where we share real people's stories and give you real ideas so that you can realize your potential. Take care.